All right, it's good to see everybody here this morning. In a minute, Gwen is going to come and, and preach the message. She's excited about it. Tell me your story, the series that we're in. But before we do that, I would like to honor all of our veterans on Veterans Day. If you've been in the military, would you stand with us? Let's give them a hand. Oh, wow. Praise God. Thank you very much for, we just want to pray over our veterans. Let's just pray right now. Father, thank you so much for these men and women, Father, that have uh, served in the military. And Father, we know that as a nation, God, we honor you. Father, as Christians in the United States of America, God, we put our trust in you. And Father, we know that there are some people that are not believers, but God, for us, we put you as the head of our country. Father, we believe in you. We thank you for these veterans that have served in the military. God, the sacrifice of just being able to go forward and God give you their best. In your name we pray over them. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, uh, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful feeling of being an American. You know that uh, you might have been born in a different country, and we, we love those that are part of our church that have come from different parts of the world. Uh, but you know what? If, if you maybe have taken America for granted, you need to kind of just ask Bruno and Movey over to dinner sometime. They have just got their citizenship this year, and... Uh, <laughs> And let me tell you that the uh, the thing that is so uh, exciting to be around them is they went to vote just this last uh, week and and just and they said this was our first time to vote as American citizens and you know we love America. Gwen and I took them out to eat and and we just celebrated the the long venture. I, I don't usually yell out in church, but Bruno, how long has it been? Have you guys? Say it again. 22 years that they've been waiting for citizenship. And let me tell you, if you are not proud to be an American, you need to just spend some time with them and let them just kind of rub off on you. And as veterans today, we just honor you on this day of the year. And uh, we know that Harvey was in the military and it's his birthday. So he said, the world celebrates with me also (laughs) on my birthday. You know, it's always about this guy right here, you know, so... Anyway, man, it's good to see you guys. I'm going to just give you a brief update, and then we'll we'll go on. The update on the coffee shop is, again, remember that the grand opening, the first day that we will open to the public will be on November 26th. That is the first Monday following Thanksgiving. So, again, just to keep it straight, Thursday will be that Thanksgiving, and then boom, 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 Monday we will open. We are setting it up and looking forward to, and we'll keep you uh, kind of um, informed, but we're going to try to kind of have a kind of a soft opening on the Sunday afternoon before. And so some of our uh, people, Heath and his crew, are going to be down there after church on that Sunday, and we want to kind of uh, give them some training as we go down there following that service on the 25th. And uh, I just can't wait to stand in line and say, hey, where's my coffee? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we'll, we'll give them all that good stuff. Sorry for yelling. Some people jumped about that high. But you're ready for the message. And man, didn't Daniel and the worship team do good this morning? Let's give them a hand. Lisa and Homer have been on a vacation. They should be, they should be back this afternoon late. So we'll be uh, welcoming them back next week. You know, as we're in this series, Tell Me Your Story, what we're going to do is in the next week during the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, as we're, we're going into that, we're going to have a meal following next Sunday's service. And what we'll do is we'll go out and get our food. And then when you get back into the sanctuary, it'll all be set up with tables and chairs. And what we're going to do is we're going to hand out a sheet of paper that you can actually begin writing down your story. And what we want you to do is begin to 
formulate just in a few paragraphs in your mind how you're going to tell your story. As we talked about last week in the story of Moses, what is in your hand, Moses? It's the same thing in our lives. What is in our hand that God has given us? And through that, we are giving a testimony of the goodness of God. This morning, let's give a hand to Gwen as she comes and continues the series. Or is that just my voice booming? Okay. All right. Well, I'm so excited to see your faces. And uh, John had asked me a month or so ago to prepare something. So um, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity. I'm thankful for for you as our church family. And uh, we're so blessed to be your pastors. And um, just thankful to be right here at the chapel in Keller. Well, let's start part two. This is, uh, yes, I guess it would be part two. John started last week. Tell your story. Let's talk about telling your story and what that looks like. We're going to look into scripture today. Did you bring your Bible? Do you have something to write notes on? Now, here's the thing. You don't always, you might be the, the type of person that writes notes all the time, and maybe today you need to dial it back again a bit and do something different. You know, we don't want to get in a rut in any certain way. And so if it's, if it's uh, distractive to you to take notes every week, you don't have to take notes. But what you want to do is, is do this. You want to have a takeaway. You want to have a takeaway once you leave today because God's Word is so valuable to us. You know, as I was preparing this week, here's something that I felt like the Lord spoke to me. I was just praying, saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And I pray for signs and wonders to follow us. You know, we can expect people to sit right here and get healed. Um, a pastor friend of ours uh, was just sharing a story recently, I heard, that uh, they were having a great service and just amazing things happening as, as they were in the service, right? People just worshiping. That's amazing for people to worship, right? It's amazing for people to focus on God. Uh, the world out there is not doing it. So anyway, here's what happened. It turned out that a lady just a couple of blocks over felt drawn to come to the building. She was actually heal, healed sitting in her, her house a couple of blocks away and felt, you know what, I need to go to church. She was healed before she got into the church, but he was just preaching, doing, doing what, what he, he, he was called to do, right? Imagine that. We don't often realize what happens in a service is bigger than just what's even happening there. So I was, as I was preparing this week and just thinking, Lord, I just pray that amazing things would happen. And the Lord just kind of, I didn't hear any audible voices, right? You probably don't either. Don't look for audible voices. We, we, it's not that God couldn't speak in an audible voice, but you don't want to look for that stuff. So anyway, I was praying about that and I felt like the Lord said, there's word of wisdom and knowledge going forth every week. As, as John preaches, every week. There's healings that take place every week. Sometimes, and this is what the Lord just kind of birthed in my heart, sometimes it's the start of a healing. Faith is the start of anything good. And so the start of a healing, the start of, of a new direction, that's the, the word of wisdom, knowing something you didn't know before. And maybe you get home and you think, you know what, this is what I'll do in my finances. Or this is what I'm going to do about that relationship problem. That was birthed under hearing the word of God. Isn't that amazing? So let's look for those things. Let's look for him to be working in our lives today as we, as we hear him uh, speak to us. Why do we want to tell our story? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and talk about the why. The why behind telling our story. Okay? And then we're going to look at two different examples uh, a positive example of telling your story, someone that did verbalize, and then someone who didn't and um, learned from both. Have, have you ever learned from someone's uh, bad experience? That's the best way to learn. I don't want to learn from my own mistakes. It's a lot more painful, but I want to look at other people. That's why we study God's Word. He gives us all kinds of negative examples, what not to do, and then some examples of what to do as we live and, and walk and follow him. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this in the ESV version. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I want you to look at that second portion. 
Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Would you say that with me? Let's read that part together. Ready? Starting at, or whatever. Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When we're talking about telling our story, that for the glory of God is the reason why we tell our story, what God's done in our life. For the glory of God. Do all. You and I want to be living our lives. Am I doing what I do? For the right reasons. For the glory of God. Now let's look at Matthew 5, 14 to 16. What are we talking about? We're establishing the why. Why do you and I need to verbalize? Do, let me ask you this. Parents, do your, do your children know how you got saved? Have you told them? Okay, so grandparents, do, do they know? Do they know that you were, you were saved when you were 12? Do they, do they know your story? Let me ask you, people that are close to you, you know, what What if they know your story? Think about this. This, this is just amazing, the timing and all this. We're, we're coming into the holiday seasons. And you're going to see people um, that you don't see on the regular. You know, Aunt, Aunt Mabel's coming down from Illinois. She'll be here for Thanksgiving. Are, are you going to purposely, after we talk today, are you going to purposely find a time to make sure that someone in your circle hears your story? Let me ask you this. Have you got a fresh story? What's God doing in your life? Are we telling our story? It is our responsibility to tell our story. Whatever you do, we're living, if we're living our lives for the glory of God, whatever we're doing, it should be verbalized. It should be lived out loud before people around us. Matthew 5.14 gives us a little further insight here as we look at the New Living Translation. Ready? You are. Oh, goodness. That's, who's the you? Who's the, who's the you? Who, who's the you? You are what? What does it say there? You are the light. You are the light of the world. You know, isn't that interesting? You're the light of the room. No. There's a light in your eye. No. You are the light of the entire world. Is your Bible in the red letter edition? Is that written in red? Who's speaking then? Someone said, no, I don't think it is. My digital version has it in bold. Okay, here's what I, I just, I, I sense right here. Someone in this room has just disqualified him, themselves. Listen, every time I read a scripture today, don't disqualify yourself. It's you. I don't care what you did last night. You get that clean. Get, get rid of it right now and say, Lord, I'm going to move on. His word says you are light. Now, if we flip that light on, when we walk in here and we flip that light on, never do we have to keep flipping? Oh, it, it only lit half the room. Let's keep on flipping. No, once you flip the light, what happens? There, it has no option but to light the room. You are the light of the world. Let's keep going. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Maybe you've done that in the past. And you didn't even realize it. Something great happened in your life and you just thought, oh, well, nobody wants to hear me yet. That is the enemy to your soul telling you that. So this says no one lights a light and then puts it under a basket if they want light, right? We understand that. If we want light, we wouldn't put it in a basket. Instead, a light, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, here, here's what we want to look at here today. This is, this is the why we share our story. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Why do you share your story? Why do you tell your story? It brings glory to God. It's, it's like a light. It brings light in where people feel dark and hopeless. Your story is a value. So let's look at a couple of stories here today in Scripture. Let's look at the ten lepers. I want to show you something today. As I was studying, John said, you know, I want you to teach on, find something on tell your story. And when I did, when I, I began to study, I realized in Scripture we see that the people that verbalized and told their story, it could not 
There was no other obvious link except this one. So obvious. It was linked with thanksgiving. Isn't God good in his timing? Here we are at the Thanksgiving season, and, and John just felt a w- weeks back that he was going to do this series on Tell Your Story. You will see today, as someone verbalized, that it was the very foundation of the verbalization was linked with thanksgiving. Are you ready? Let's look there, shall we? Let's look at Luke 17, 11 through 19. And this is the NIV version, and we're going to see the story of the ten lepers. I want to ask you something before I continue. Have you ever had something happen in your life that was absolutely impossible, but things changed? I, I didn't even get that out of my mouth, and I saw people doing this. No, 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 no let's, let's get it straight here. Absolutely impossible. You still nodding? There was no way around it. No, there was no way it could have worked out, but then it did. The impossible worked out. Amazing. Did you know God's still in the business of doing the impossible? L- let, let, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in such trouble that you yourself got, got into? You couldn't blame anybody. Been there? And you still, the Lord brought you out? He is so very good. So good. So let's look at, at this story today with the ten lepers. Um, and we're in Luke 17. Luke 17, 11 through 19, and, and we'll begin. Here we go. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They, if you, you might want to circle that in, in, your, in your Bible, because this is something you're going to see that you want, might want to go back to. So he sees these ten men who had leprosy, incurable disease, say impossible, impossible, incurable disease in those days. They stood at a distance and I'm dependent upon the, the, the digital today, and called out in a loud voice. Now who called out? All of them. Every one of them. They. You said they. All of them called out. All of them. And they called out in a loud voice. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Let's keep going. When he saw them, they called. He sees all of them. And he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Amazing. Let's so what we see here is that Jesus heard them all call. They called out every one of them, and he responded to them all. You know, sometimes, again, we go back to that little thought I mentioned a minute ago. Don't be in a place to disqualify yourself. Sometimes we come in church and we drag in things that we've been involved in or whatever, and we disqualify ourselves from whatever's being taught. I want you to be self-aware today. Watch what you're thinking about, and don't disqualify yourself from any of God's goodness today. Because His Word, if, we're, if I'm preaching the Word, it'll be good news. Don't expect any bad news from, from up here today. If, there, if we see a bad example, or we see something that we're, we're learning from that's a negative Remember, we're going to look at it through the eyes of redemption. God is always trying to point us in a right direction. So he's looking at you and saying, come on, come on this way. This way is the good way. Here we go. Come on. It's all good when we're following him. So we see here they all called out and Jesus responded to every single one of them. And in verse 15, it says this, one of them, they, were, they all called out And then it says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. They were all, they all called out. Jesus responded to them all. How many thanked? The problem here is, this is a a principle of human nature. So we could look at them and we go, those nine lepers that didn't come back. I'm telling you, that's human nature. It's human nature. Not to be thankful. Why? Why? Because selfishness is part of the fall. When man fell, he began to cover himself and go inward. Filled with shame. 
So we're going to learn a lot about Thanksgiving here today, and I want to look at this passage and tear it apart a bit. Now, we see here that this only one came back to honor and glorify God and thank Him. Remember, to give thanksgiving to God, to, to just say thank you to Him is a huge, huge thing. It glorifies Him. But to say thank you to God, to express thanksgiving for what He's done in the presence of others is even more powerful. There's great power in it. Now, how does it... Let's look right here. It says that this leper came back and it says that he began to glorify God. This passage tells us that he threw himself... Let's go to verse 16. Does that tell us uh, what he did? He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Let's get a visual. Because sometimes we think, well, I feel thankful. I bet all 10 of them felt thankful. I'm not talking about feeling thankful. Oh, I'm, I'm so thankful. I feel, I feel thankful. No. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and verbalized his thanksgiving, verbalized his thanks. And he was a Samaritan. This guy didn't even know the, the teachings of the, the Jewish synagogue. He was not one of the tribe of Israel. He was a foreigner. Sometimes we think that we as Christians, we tend to think, well, I, you know, I do all, this, all these things spiritually. Sometimes there are people that are just very new to the Lord, and they can outshine us in telling their story. They can outshine us in their, their heart to worship. So we want to be careful that over the years, we don't we say, I feel thankful. No. He spoke his thanksgiving. He came back to Jesus and he threw himself at his feet. There was a, a, a way to, we could tell if we were standing there that he was thankful. He threw himself down. How do we know that, that you're worshiping on a Sunday? How do we know if we were to, to, to have a hidden camera in your house that you were thankful, that you had the joy of the Lord? It should show on the outside. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and then he bowed, we might say. He verbalized his thanks to God. Remember, giving thanks is part of giving glory to God. And all of this goes with sharing our story, right? With, with sharing our story and being willing to verbalize. Sharing your story, here, here's one of the major points today. Sharing your story, telling your story, has everything to do with being thankful. Everything to do with being thankful. So let's look at the other nine for a minute, shall we? Why didn't they come back? Let's speculate. And then you ask yourself about your level of thankfulness and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an I-N-G word. It's a now word right? To be thankful is to, maybe we might give thanks for what, what did happen. Thanksgiving is a now word. You will find an, a number of Psalms, passages in the Psalms that talk about thanksgiving, not thankfulness. That can be a past tense, but thanksgiving. Enter his gates with that's, that's a now word. That can even be, thank you, Lord, for something that hasn't happened yet. Can we do that as Christians? Can we do the, the present tense, thanking Him for something we haven't even seen yet? In fact, if we don't, we miss a window of faith. Once it's happened, there's no faith in it then. It's still a good report. Yeah, yeah, we want to tell our story. But don't miss your opportunity to do the ING thing, to praise Him right now before the end result. Why would you do that? Because you trust his character. I'm thanking you, Lord. Even though I had this splitting headache, I'm thanking you that you are the healer. I am thanking you. You're not saying, thank you, Lord, for my headache. That, that's dumb. Sometimes Christians hear things and they think, are we supposed to thank God for the bad things? That's, that's confusion right there. So don't ask, don't, we won't ask questions that are confusing. Do I thank him for the, the, the cyst on my hand? No, no, no. We're giving thanks for his character. Thanksgiving is knowing that he's a good God and he's going to lead us, I-N-G. He's going to lead us here and now. So the nine didn't come back, and I want to talk about why. Could it be that they had a sense of entitlement? Well, I sat by the road for all these years, and I heard that Jesus was in the area, but I, did you know he was coming? Ten years I've been out of work. Been estranged from my family. 
it's funny, isn't it, how, how sometimes human nature can be. So maybe they felt a sense of entitlement. And their sad story was more empowering to them than their glad story. Let that, the Lord spoke to me this week. And I was like, Lord, really? And he gave me pictures in my own mind of times that I had not fully given him thanks for what he'd done. So could it be a sense of entitlement? What about this? What about their focus after they did receive their big miracle? They felt glad at first, and then they're like, well, look at these clothes. Because, see, they couldn't go into the city when they were lepers. They were on the outs. You couldn't go in and go shopping. You couldn't go to restaurants. You couldn't be with your family. It was a way to protect the community from that disease from spreading. So maybe they looked at themselves and thought, I wish you had given me good clothes to boot. I thought about this this week when I was studying it. Sometimes we fail to fully give thanks because we're looking at, we're expecting perfection. You and I are not in heaven yet, are we? We are not in heaven yet. So there is not going to be perfection. So maybe we don't say we're not thankful for, for, for maybe even our family members because we're thinking all this stuff in our head. Well, if they only, they would do this, then I'd be thankful. Or if, if you know, my bills are all paid, but I don't, I wish I had some extra. I wish I could get a new car. You see, I'm wondering if, if maybe those nine lepers were looking at, they didn't have the clothes they wanted, or, um, well, now that I'm healed, I still have to go get a job. I, how am I going to get back into the workforce? I don't even know if that insurance company's hiring. So who knows what their reason was, but for some reason, those nine, they did not feel the need to go back and be thankful. Oftentimes we do that in our finances. The, the paycheck comes in. And we say, I don't know if I need to pay my tithe. 10% off the top before, before any bills are paid. That's what the tithe is. And so 10% off the top. Instead we say, or we're thankful maybe immediately. We're like, whew, we might not verbalize thanks to God. However we should, shouldn't we? Thankful that we have the health to get out and work. Thankful that we have a job. Thankful that we're employed. Thankful for the skills that we have that are marketable. And so when that paycheck comes in, maybe we don't even think of giving that 10% off the top because we're looking, our focus is elsewhere. Well, I've got to have this. I've got to have that. Maybe that's what the lepers did. So let's move on and learn from a, a negative experience. We can learn from that one leper that he... He was ready to come back and say, look, look what you did for me. Thankfulness and sharing your story. I guarantee you um, that he not only came back and thanked Jesus, I'm sure he began to share with others. Don't you think? Okay, here's one thing that com comes to mind when I'm thinking about this. There's no neutral ground. You're either thankful or you're unthankful. You're not in the middle. Right? You might be thinking, well, I'm not really the thankful type, but, but I feel thankful. No, we're either thankful or we're not thankful. It's not in the middle. That's probably why the Lord says to us in Scripture to give thanks, to be thankful, to, to express ourselves in worship and in thanksgiving. Because oftentimes we'll say, well, I don't love them, but I wouldn't say I hate them. No. No. That's why oftentimes we see in the commandments that Jesus would, he would say to us, that the Lord would say to us, love. Why? Because he knows there's no neutral ground. And we might say, we might fuss with it. Lord, you know I can't love them after what they've done to me. The deal is we're either all the way thankful or we're unthankful. The deal is we're actually walking in love or we are not in the love of God. There is no neutral. Um, there's so many gray zones, gray areas in the world. The world loves gray areas. Well, I wouldn't say that I was, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that I'm filled with doubt and unbelief, but I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm filled with faith. You know, we, we just are creatures of fullness. You're filled with something. 
That's why 2 Timothy, 1st or 2 Timothy says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Because if we're not, we would like to say, well, I don't know if I'm filled, filled, but you know. We either are filled or we've got other things in there. So we either are thankful, we're full, filled with thanksgiving, or we're not. And we can fix that, you know, so no, no guilt and condemnation anywhere out there. Let's learn from someone's negative example here. I want you to look at 2 Chronicles 32, 24. We're going to look at a king. He was, he, king Hezekiah is his name. Now, there's two accounts in the scripture. If you want to jot this down and read it later and study it out, there's a thorough uh, example of what happened in this whole story in Isaiah 38 with Hezekiah. But I'm not going to go to the long version today. I'm going to go to the short version in 2 Chronicles. So we're going to look there at King Hezekiah, and I'm going to just hit the high points of what Isaiah said about King Hezekiah. Are you, are you there? Are you awake? Yeah, we want to be. This, the Word of God is alive, active, operative, and energizing. It is the most important thing we do all week. Are we, are we ready to receive the word? This is so good right here. You're going to learn from a negative example. So Isaiah the prophet tells us that um, in his writings that he was called to go tell Hezekiah, get your house in order, you're going to die. Now, this is not just any new prophet, new, new guy in town. This is Isaiah. He went to Hezekiah to say, get your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah was a bit disturbed. Just checking out his story in Isaiah 38 and 39, he was a bit disturbed for more than one reason. First of all, he had no heir yet. And he wanted there to be a king in his bloodline to follow him. So he was disturbed when he heard that from Isaiah. And here's one thing I wondered. This just occurred to me today as I was going over this again. Wonder why God said, get your house in order. Because his house wasn't in order. Maybe he was doing some things that weren't right and God was giving him a chance. Anybody in here had a second chance before? God says to him, get your house in order. I love you. Your days are numbered. And so here we have this happening in the Old Testament, right? Hezekiah immediately does something. The Bible tells us he turns his face to the wall and begins to pray. That's one of the best things you can do when you're in trouble. I have been there so many times and wondered, how am I going to get out of this? And when I began to pray, it was a matter of time and the Lord brought me out. He'll do that very same thing for you. Has nothing to do with me. Not one thing. He will do the very same thing for you. I encourage you to sit right there. If you are in a position of trouble right now, you just right there where you sit. You say, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. You are well able to take me out of this. And guess what? It might be a month. It might be two weeks. And your whole situation can turn right around. Oh, that's such good news. That's exactly what happens here. So the Bible tells us, we don't know all the details, but he had evidently a huge boil. And we're in a a primitive time, you know, without all the medical practices we have today. He has this huge boil, and it is unto death for him. So he begins to cry out to the Lord. He he turns his face to the wall. Some of us might, what do you do when when you have trouble? You go for a ride, close yourself into your car, in your car, and say, Lord, you can help me out of this. What do you do? Do you go to, go, go to your room? Find a place away from everybody else? Lord, I'm calling on you. I don't care what it looks like. I trust you. That's what Hezekiah did. He turned his face and he began to pray. Here's what happened. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 38, before Isaiah the prophet even gets to the courtyard, God speaks to Isaiah and says, go tell him. Go tell Hezekiah. I've healed him, and I'm going to add 15 years to his life. I bet Isaiah thought, you just told me to go tell him his day's numbered? I'm not even headed down the road yet. You know what that said to me? Things are not set in stone in this life. What you praying for? Listen to this. 
Even if you can't speak to that person that you want to talk to, say it out loud. Just the fact that you're praying out loud for that person is as valuable as if you could say it to them. So say to them, honey, I love you. You're my baby. And Jesus loves you. And he's going to work in your life. Your, your child might be in Arkansas. You, you speak over them. You prophesy over them. You speak God's word over them. It's as powerful for you to say it out in the atmosphere as if you saw them there. Turn your heart to God and say, Lord, I trust you. Now, I speak over the life of my child. Listen to me, honey. Jesus loves you. And he'll never let you go. Thank you, Lord. You're never letting my baby go. So that, that's, that's one of those things you can do. So we see that Isaiah turns right around and he goes into Hezekiah and he says, the Lord has spoken and there's been 15 years added to your life. Did you know in that time there was an heir that was born? But I want, to, I want to see something a little bit negative that happens with uh, Hezekiah. First of all, we share our story because it's linked with thanksgiving to God and it brings him glory. Secondly, we, we share our story because, not just the thankfulness, but because of the glory story that it will bring to him. All right, so let's look at Second Chronicles 32, 24 to 26. Are you there? Are you there? Look at this. In those days, Hezekiah was sick to the point of death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he answered him and gave him a sign. What was the sign? The sign was Isaiah came back and said, here's a sign to you. And it was all about uh, timing with the, with the sun, and uh, he's going to give him a sign in the heavens. So he was given a sign. But, do you see that there? So he gets a sign from the Lord, and what does Hezekiah do? It says, but... Hezekiah did not make return to the Lord. This is in the Amplified Version. It breaks it down for us. It says, he did not make return to the Lord according to the benefit done him, done for him. For his heart became proud at such a spectacular response to his prayer. Therefore, there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. So what happened here? Hezekiah received a miracle and he did not respond with thanks and praise to God. He didn't respond properly. There was, and, and why? You know, if I was to say to you, you don't have to say it out loud, but if I was to say, what's the opposite of, of pride? You might say, there's a number of things you could say. You might say humility. But I'd like to say this, the opposite of pride is thankfulness. I mean, excuse me. Yes, the opposite of pride is thankfulness. And I'd, I'd like to link that for you in Scripture. Shall we do that? Let's go on to the next verse. Um, I just want to point back. His heart became proud because he said, it's the prayer I prayed. I prayed this wonderful prayer. And he becomes all, all filled with pride and thinks it's all him. The next verse says, but Hezekiah... This is after, uh, after the pride, and he finds out that God's not pleased. God is not pleased because he says, oh, well, I prayed this big, wonderful prayer, and look what happened. But Hezekiah then humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. So that's a good thing, right? He realizes he's wrong. He realizes he wasn't truly thankful to God. He was thankful to himself. Or he was just, just glad to, probably really glad initially, not to have the boil, the, the discomfort anymore. Glad to have the 15 extra years. But he didn't respond properly at the miracle. He was filled with pride. Let's talk about what he might have done, shall we? Let's, let's think in our practical human terms. So people might around the courtyard, Hezekiah, you're looking good today. Yes. The Hezekiah family, we've always had a strong constitution. Could he have said something like that? Boy, you're looking healthy. Yeah. I just decided I was going to take my vitamins, and you know, I came right out of that sick bed. Who knows what he said, but he didn't give glory to God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever known of someone that got out of a situation they could not have gotten out of on their own? And they didn't say they weren't thankful. Someone bailed them out. And maybe you hear them saying something later. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm one of those, can't keep a good man down. 
or, you know, oh, wow, look what worked out in your life. And maybe, maybe it was a job situation. Yes, I, I did an update on my resume. It, it was God that did it. He gave us the brains to update the resume. It was God that did it every time. It was God that did it. Where would we be without him? We, we don't want to ever just take some sort of credit for ourselves. Well, I'm so glad that I'm, that I'm fit and strong. You know, I've never been one of those that just wants to stay in the bed. It was God that did it. Wow, what an amazing thing we can learn from Hezekiah. What not to do when the circumstances change. Maybe it was this. It felt so good to be out of the bed. It just felt so good to be up in Adam. And then just pride set into his heart. And he just wasn't giving thanks and glory to God. Have you ever received something from the Lord? And you just used it for yourself? You, you received an amazing answer to prayer. You received finances. You've got a better job and you just used it on your own fulfillment. That's probably what Hezekiah did. It felt so good to have his kingly robe on. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good, but it's the pride that can follow. He felt so good to be out and about in the community. And people were saying, King Hezekiah, it's so good to see you. Are you better? Yes. And I'm so glad that my family line is one that is strong and tenacious. You, you see? So we want to make sure that we're always giving glory to God and not taking that answer and thinking it belongs to us for some reason or that we give ourselves glory. That we take the increase, the amazing things He does in our lives and somehow own that like it was something that we did for ourselves. Because what do you see with Hezekiah? The Bible clearly says God was not pleased with his response, his lack of thankfulness, his pride. The opposite of thanksgiving is pride. So I want to increase in my thanksgiving, don't you? Let's just, let's just do it right now. Thank you, Lord. Just verbalize. Only you know in your head what you're thankful for. Thank you, Lord. And what, what's going to happen? The devil's going to flood a, something in your mind. What are you thankful for? What about all that other stuff you don't have? Don't, 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 don't even let him win it that way anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I wouldn't be here today without you. I don't know where I would be had you not redeemed me. I would be stuck. I would be in the pit. I would be addicted. I would be addicted without you, Lord. Thankful for what he's done in our lives. So what we want to see here is we, we want to recognize that there is so much grace that is open in our lives. Grace. Grace is tied to thanksgiving. I, I, I'm reminded of the passage that says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And what did we connect humility with, with with that story of Hezekiah? He humbled himself and then thanked God. Humility and thanksgiving go hand in hand. Well, if humility is what opens the door to more grace, are, are you making a, a, a dot-to-dot connection? If humility opens the door to more grace in our lives, what does grace mean? Grace is empowerment. Grace is not the same as mercy, right? Grace is, is part, part of that, but grace is the empowerment to do, to do what you couldn't do on your own. So we want to be thankful at every turn. Thanksgiving to God because it opens the door to His grace. Thanksgiving and grace are very closely connected. Pride and lack of thankfulness, or we could say this, complaining. Pride and complaining are, are close, closely related, very closely related. Pride and complaining. Boy, that, doesn't this speak to you? Doesn't it resonate? It makes me want to just sew my mouth up when things are going badly in order not to let something come out of my mouth that would hinder the grace of God. See, the grace is what's going to get you to that next step. 
That's why the enemy sends a complaining spirit, a complaining thought in our head. Oh, that, that rotten kid of mine. Oh, that boss. You know, he, he, he sends that complaining thought to us, but we don't have to take it. We can't really blame him, right? We, we don't have to receive that complaining thought, but complaining is just right there close to pride because it's, it's linked to thanklessness, being without a thankful heart. What has the Lord spoke to you today? What's he speaking? I, I want to tell you something. It is not a sin for you to be in trouble. You hear me? God is so good. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, I, I've got myself in trouble just like Hezekiah, for not being thankful. Look at where I am. And, and it feels like I'm plowing the concrete because things in my life are so hard. That, that is what can happen when there's a sense of thanklessness. The, the, the world gets very difficult. Thanksgiving opens a pathway of blessing for you and me. So maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, man, I'm in trouble. Man, I'm in a situation. I'm going to challenge you, dare to tell your story to family members, what God has done, tell them what he's doing. If you're in a situation right now and you can't even think, well, what is God doing? I don't feel like there's much going on in my life. Would you dare to step into thanksgiving? Not just thankfulness for something he's done in the past, but an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving in order for him to open the door. Why do I say that? That's the whole reason we enter his gates with thanksgiving. There's a door that opens with thanksgiving. We enter, we enter into his very presence with thanksgiving. What can you be thankful for? What are you going to do? before the day's out, to act on what we're talking about. The sooner you and I act, the better. We're about to act in just a minute in thanksgiving and praise to God. But I want you to do something more than that. You might want to set a reminder on your phone to be thankful. A few years ago, it was around this season, I believe, that John gave us all um, bracelets. And what was it? It was something about not complaining. You spoke about not complaining, right? And so we were supposed to, if we said anything complaining, remember we took that off and we put it on the other side and we, we changed our words. If we said something complaining, we would take that off and put it on the other side and say, ah, oh, correct our words. I'm thankful for, there's always something we can be thankful for. It's all about focus. Well, I don't know what you might want to do if you want to, if you want to put a reminder in your phone. How are we going to change those behaviors that we've been having? You know, oftentimes in Christian realms, we think that repentance, there's only one kind of repentance, and that's to, that the Lord would save us from our eternal damnation and save us from our sins and that we would go to heaven. Repentance, guys, is a change of mind. You and I should be repenting on a regular, right? Ooh, Lord, it's not, we don't have to beat ourselves on the back. You know, repentance is a change of direction, a change of mind, a change of heart. What are you going to do? What am I going to do in response to what I've heard today to change my direction, to change what I've been saying, to make sure that I am thankful on a regular basis? And then what do I want to do? I want to begin to expect him to open doors of grace that I know I couldn't have opened on my own, to open doors of favor because I was a thankful one. Because I knew God was at the bottom of any success I could ever have in this world. Amen. Let, let's, let's offer thanksgiving to him, shall we? Just begin to sit right there. Verbalize. Remember what the leper did? Begin to verbalize. You might just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the grades I made this week. I couldn't have done that on my own. I'm not that smart. Maybe you want to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I'm sitting here today that I walked in here, that I'm healthy, that my legs are working. Thank you, Lord, for my family members that are under the same roof with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. I would not be here today without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you that you loved me when I was unlovable. Thank you, Lord, that my wife loved me when I didn't deserve it. I want to utter that and humble myself and say, thank you for that. Thank you that my husband has loved me when I was testy. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for my children that give honor when sometimes I don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord, for the friends that I have in this church that I, I have taken them for granted and I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm thankful for the God connections in my church. Thank you, Lord, for this nation. Would you lift your voice? Let's thank Him for this nation. Thank you, Lord, that I'm free. Thank you, Lord, that I, I serve you in a free country. I am so thankful for the President of the United States. I am thankful that you give us godly leaders in place. Thank you, Lord, that you are working in our country, in our government. Lord, I thank you for the mayor of Keller. I pray blessings on the government here in Keller. Lord, I thank you for my house that I have a roof over my head. I thank you for that. I thank you for the keys in my purse that represent a house, a car. Oh, oh, and another car. Oh, oh, yes, and the key to a storage shed. Oh, and the key. Yes, that represents so much of what I own. I wouldn't have it without you. It's not me. It's not me. Would you just verbalize that? Lord, it's not me. I know. I know it wasn't me. Lord, we humble ourselves before you and recognize that it is you. And when our lives have oftentimes been going down the, the tubes in a sense, it was us. And oftentimes we've blamed you. If that's you today, you just sit there and you just say, I'm sorry, Lord, I repent. I will not blame you. I will not blame you. I'm, I'm going to ask you for a minute just to check your heart. If you have blamed the Lord, He's so good. He's not, he doesn't have an angry finger. He's pointing at you. He's ready for, for you just to, with open arms. If you have griped and complained to him and been angry and blamed him, I'm just going to give you that opportunity to check yourself and say, Lord, I don't, I don't blame you. You are not to blame. I will not say in the pride of my heart that you haven't blessed me enough or that I'm waiting for something else before I say thank you to you. I'm waiting for it to get better before I say thank you. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you've never made peace with God, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now as John comes. If you've never made peace with the Lord, I just want to ask you to say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me and he rose on the third day. He's given me the opportunity to be a son, a daughter of God. I accept that. I accept that. And I receive salvation. Maybe you're here today and you need salvation from a situation. You need God to redeem a situation. If that's you today, just, just lift your hand right quick as an act of faith. Yes, I need, I need deliverance from my situation. God is so good. He'll deliver you for situations you've got yourself into. He's so merciful. Would you receive that today? Just receive that and say, Lord, I'm, I'm asking for your mercy. I'm asking for you to change my situation. And then, Lord, I will thank you. I won't be like Hezekiah. I, I learned better today. I learned from his mistake. I'm going to be so thankful. I'm going to be thankful every day and watch while you work and continue to redeem. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.